My name is Westy. My world is fire and blood. Once I was a cop, a road warrior searching for a right. Westy, what are you doing? Just warming up. Have you gaffer taped a Gordon Fork to your face? Yeah. Why? Authenticity is a prodigal effect. Alright, fellas. Westy, you gaffer taped a Gordon Fork to your face? Yeah. Alright. Fasten your seatbelts, everyone. We're talking Mad Max Fury Road. He's gaffer taped a Gordon Fork to his face. Hello and welcome to The Cutting Room, a YouTube channel of fire, blood and movie analysis from all the right movies. I'm John and with me today it's our very own war boys, Matt. Hello. And Westy. Hello. Shiny and chrome. <laughs> <laughs> Have you calmed down yet, Matt? I'm, I'm still baffled. I'm calmer, but I'm baffled. <laughs> Mad Matthew we rode before. <laughs> <laughs> that absolutely wrecked it off, to be fair. What a terrible idea. <laughs> well, this episode, we're looking at a film that's actually fairly recent, which makes a change, mm -hmm. doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah, it does. From 2015, we're talking George Miller's dystopian action classic, Mad Max Fury Road. Before we do that, though, just to let everybody know that All The Right Movies is a YouTube channel, and what you're listening to now is the audio podcast version of the latest episode of our YouTube show called The Cutting Room. The original video version, along with many other episodes and videos, is available on YouTube, so please head over to our channel to watch and subscribe. We actually started out as a podcast, and you can access our full archive of over 120 podcast episodes on our website, alltherightmovies.com, or by signing up to become an All The Right Movies patron at patreon.com forward slash alltherightmovies. Patrons also gain access to loads of other benefits as well, including an exclusive video episode of The Cutting Room every month, chosen by and created specifically for our patrons. So, as you can see, there's loads from all the right movies to keep you busy, so please check out YouTube and Patreon. But for now, it's back to the film. Nice. So, you put this one up, Matt. Mm -hmm. So, why did you want to talk about it? I wanted to talk about it because it's a film that was a real pleasant surprise when I went to see this. Because in my head for so long... I thought this film was going to be a disaster. I thought it was going to be mm. another unnecessary fourth installment long after the original trilogy had wrapped up. No Mel Gibson. And then it just seemed all I remember hearing was how the production was plagued by difficulty. So I know the funding got pulled at one point. There were these reports that there were massive fights on set between Tom Hardy and Shalise Theron. I know yeah. they went to film in the desert, but then just overnight it rained for the first time in 30 years, so they couldn't film there anymore. We got rained out of Broken Hill. And yeah. I even remember at one point they, they were going to do this a 3D cartoon. So I honestly <laughs> yeah. had like no great desire to see this at all until those first reviews came out. And I remember, I think it was Empire had like five stars for it. And I thought, oh, well, hang on, maybe there is something to it. So I did, I went to see it. And, and by the end, I felt like... Tom Hardy just been punching me in the face for two hours, but in a really good way. It was yeah. just not what I was expecting at all. And ever since then, it's one that I have been very keen to talk about. So I'm glad that we are finally getting around to it. Yeah, it was 
a hell of a long time coming, Mad Max mm-hmm. Fury Road. Not just for us, for George Miller as well. I know that yeah. he first had the idea for Mad Max 4 being one long car chase as far back as 1987, which mm-hmm. was just a couple of years after Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Almost got made three or four times in the next 20 years or so, and then was finally greenlit in 2010 with Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron in the leads. And I also distinctly remember being released in 2015 as being, and being praised as the best action film in years with action mm-hmm. to match, like Terminator 2. And I was thinking, surely not. Miller, George Miller. I have more faith in Wendy Miller. (laughs) Exactly. Surely George Miller hasn't still got it. But that action is insane. And that's not Mm -hmm. the only thing. The film has some of the most batshit bonkers visuals and supporting characters I've ever seen. It is Mm -hmm. essentially one long car chase film, plenty of action. So I'll talk about that as we go. But also A-list cast, great. Post-apocalyptic wasteland, great. Loads of crazy Aussies, great. So (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) And Westy, you're on the Fury Road every time we talk about George Lucas, aren't you? Yeah, the George (laughs) I don't want to talk about. (laughs) I'll talk about George Miller every day of the week. Yeah, it was was such an experience for me seeing this in the cinema. I thought that my days had gone, had long gone. I didn't (laughs) think I was allowed to see something like this. I didn't think it would happen again. And there it is. You go and you leave and you just go, yeah, that was a film for us. That was a film for our generation. That was a film who, for, for guys who grew up, or guys and girls who grew up on action films. Stick around. It was just an absolute pleasure to watch from start mm. to finish. And I just remember leaving on such a high. It was a great, great film. And it still stands up now, even watching it at home. I thought, will I be able, will I translate as well if I just watch it at home? And it really does. Yeah. It's got all the action beats that I want. It's not cheesy. It's It's not, overly emotional where it doesn't need to be it's just exactly what it it needs to be and it's the film that george miller needed to make Mm. and i love it for that reason and i'll watch it over and over again it's such an accomplishment and i'm yeah i'm looking forward to talking about it it's it's brilliant i love it (laughs) yeah there's loads to talk about so it should be good Yeah. yeah yeah so get the motor running we're talking about mad max fury road In a post-apocalyptic future, psychotic tyrant Immortan Joe hoards water to control the civilization. After Imperator Furiosa leads Joe's five wives to escape and forges an alliance with warboy's bloodbag Max Rokotansky, it leads to a death-defying car chase as the warlord and his ludicrous henchmen pursue our heroes across the wasteland. (laughs) What a fucking write-up that is! Anyone who's not seen this film will be thinking, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Directed by George Miller and written by Miller, Brendan McCarthy and Nico Latoura, Mad Max Fury Road was distributed by Warner Brothers and stars in the leads Tom Hardy as Max and Charlize Theron as Furiosa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how the cutting room works is that we analyse the movie by breaking it down into its key filmmaking elements. Today we're covering off the direction, the writing, the cast and our own individual highlights and then we'll each give the film a score out of 10. Yeah. So up first then, what a day. What a lovely what day. A lovely day. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the director, Wendy Miller. I mean, George Miller. <laughs> Easy confused. The director of Mad Max Fury Road was then George Miller. He has directed some other well-known films, The Witches of Eastwick, Lorenzo's Oil and Happy Feet, strangely mm-hmm. enough. But the films George Miller's most known for are undoubtedly the Mad Max series. Yes. Mad Max, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, if you're in the US, and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. But we're here for Mad Max Fury Road. So how did Miller do as a director of Fury Road, Westy? Oh, come on. <laughs> like, 
this was this was everything he was born to do. <laughs> I think if you watch, I watched Mad Max Two, I watched Mad Max One. In preference for this, I watched Happy Feet Two. No, I didn't. I watched, uh, <laughs> I watched Lorenzo's Oil just to see where he was coming from. No, I didn't. Um, and it's just you can tell this is all in his head, yeah. and he's just—it's such an accomplished film from a director's point of view. To I'm sure we'll get into it when we talk about the cast, but they didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> Scary. Hmm. To have that kind of vision, to have that kind of confidence, and to just go, this is the film I'm making. It's there. It's all. It's all there. Just do what I'm telling you to do, mm-hmm. and you can see it now. You can see from the way it's edited, the way it's put together, just this absolute sheer vision that he's got that nobody else on this planet has. Everyone tries to emulate this kind of vision, and it's just such a pure raw talent that George Miller has, mm-hmm. and these are his films. The Mad Max films, even producing the first Mad Max film illegally, shooting it on highways in Australia when he's not allowed to. (laughs) And just based on the fact that most of his friends had died in car crashes and he wanted to create that kind of feeling, and he does, that's how you feel. You feel emotionally shaken by the end of the first Mad Max. Mm -hmm. Second one you do, well, Tina Turner in the third one kind of ruins it a bit. (laughs) Bust a deal, face the wheel. Thunderdome's not the, the, the film that I wanted to see, but yeah. tragedy happened to him and he passed off the direction and you can see even given the direction to somebody else in the third film that don't have that level of 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 commitment to the vision and george miller and his vision is on screen in every single frame and every single frame is a joy to watch i would love to live inside of george miller's head it would be a beautiful place for me to be it makes complete sense and it just relate. I relate to it in every single frame of this film. The direction of this film is probably one of the best directed films I've ever seen because nobody else knows what's going on apart from George Miller. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, before Fury Road, George Miller's previous three films had been Babe, Pig in the City, the sequel to Babe, Happy Feet, Great Happy Feet 2. Yeah. And they were released across 17 years. So, I mean, he yeah. hardly had his hand in to handle an Didn't intense he- action movie. Wasn't he given like the Justice League movie to do at one point in that film? Yeah. It yeah. was, yeah. yeah. I think I think yeah. Ashton Kutcher lined up to play Superman. That's right. Yeah. 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 Fuck that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean to say he pulled off this action film is just an understatement. There's a few impressive yeah. things in the direction. It's a simple story, but he tells it very well. The cast are excellent across the board under Miller's direction, and the tone is consistent, weird, but really consistent <laughs> and really well handled. Just weird. Not weird to me. <laughs> Normal. <laughs> Normal crimp <laughs> The most impressive thing about the direction, though, is obviously the action scenes. The best action to come out this century, for me. There's so much that's impressive about it. The choreography, the stunt work, the editing is incredible. Over 80% of the effects are practical, and the decision that Miller made to go with practical effects over CGI wherever possible was inspired. Digital effects are used, but mainly to enhance the colours in post, and the stunts are nearly all practical. And there's a lesson to modern blockbusters, for me. Modern blockbusters who use CGI even when they don't need to because they're worried about not looking modern enough. Well, there's nothing old-fashioned about this. It's jaw-dropping at times. And will the Avengers film still look good in 20 years, in 50 years? Mm -hmm. Because this will. No doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Have you seen any of the behind-the-scenes footage from Fury Road? Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've seen all of it. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's every yeah, bit as impressive and spectacular as the film. You yeah. can't watch that footage and not like and respect this film more because it's yeah. outrageous. Yeah. 
I know that Miller had 150 cars hand-built, especially for the film, and then destroyed 135 of them. Can you stand there like a machine? You got a machine gun? Yeah. Blew them into three different countries. Yeah. yeah. Because of the problems. Yeah. <laughs> All of them. Yeah, yeah no. Australia. Yeah. yeah, they go over. Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Namibia is where the most identified Namibia, yeah. Yeah. Oh, You see all them 150 cars? Got to get them, Namibia. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, man. Yeah. Get it done. And one Brilliant. of the things I love about the action is how it's essentially a two-hour-long car chase, but yeah. Miller mixes it up, and every action sequence brings us new things. So we'll have yeah. driving through sandstorms, motorbikes leaping over the war rig, snipers yeah. and shootouts, fistfights. He's got it all covered. I mean, it is literally a masterclass in action movie filmmaking. Yeah. The best action film this century, and right up there with Die Hard, The Matrix, Terminator 2, Aliens, is the best action film ever for me. Like, genuinely awe-inspiring work from George Miller, I think. Totally agree. And Matt, what about you? Yeah, if you did know who he was... All right. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's canny, I suppose, isn't it? It's not The Rock, is it? <laughs> Nothing well, <no>. is. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I cannot give that order. I am not going to repeat that order. I will not give that order. What the hell is wrong with you, man? I will not give that order. I am not going to repeat that order. I will not give that order. What the hell is wrong with you, man? You know, goddamn well, I can't give that order. If you didn't know who he was, though, and you just watched this film, I swear you would think this is directed by some guy in his 30s, probably on speed for the whole shoot, or like <laughs> yeah. some bombastic egomaniac like James Cameron or Michael Bay. But it's not. Yeah. It's done by a guy who was in his 70s. You know, by all accounts, yeah. it's just an incredibly gentle soul. And he puts this mm -hmm. on yeah. screen. Lovely man. Yeah. He is. He's a lovely man. But it's that word that Westy said for me that stands out. It's vision. Because it's, it's an yeah. easy word to throw out when we talk about directors, but this is truly what a vision looks like from the fact that this is his world. He built it up and he knows it better than anyone. So everything yeah. we see in this film has a purpose. He went to the production team and he said to them, everything you make has to have more than one purpose in this world. You can't build anything just because it looks good. It has to have a reason to be there. And it was all yeah. repurposed from junk. They weren't allowed to buy anything specific on you that had to salvage it from wrecked cars and stuff that people had thrown away because <laughs> that's what this world was going to look like. Yeah. And that's why it's so impressive. That's why it's so real as well as that, like you say, John, that incredible stunt work and action. No CGI. I mean, the most the CGI was used for was to like digitally erase like the safety harnesses and to digitally erase Charlize Theron's arms so it could look like she only had like yeah you know, one yeah. arm, basically. And the day for night sequences as well, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Because all the night sequences were shot during the day just to save money. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that as well. And everything else is physically there. It's physically happening because that's how Miller envisaged this film. And the thing is, like, safety harnesses will only protect people so far, and that's what gives this film yeah. such an edge. It's like, yeah, that... that person who like looks like their head is like two inches from cracking off the floor that's literally like two inches from cracking off the floor it's the guy who's diving down at that car with the yeah. two explosives yeah it's called like, the spikes yeah and oh, jumps yeah. off and you're just like oh, honestly do you fancy doing that no not even with a harness on. <laughs> yeah. not, not even i don't even want to think about doing that that's yeah. ridiculous there's this great quote from Steven Soderbergh where after he watched it, he said, I don't understand how they're not still shooting that film and I don't understand how hundreds of people aren't dead. You know, and I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's all you need yeah. to know about this. And, and like Wesley said, there were issues with the actors because they didn't get it and they wanted more direction for Miller, which they didn't really get. But 
there's a story that when they showed it at Cannes, the film festival, Tom Hardy got up on stage and instead of making a speech, he just apologised to George Miller. There is no way that George could have explained what he could see and what I saw, which is a relentless barrage of um, complexities simplified. I mean, I knew he was brilliant, but I, I didn't quite know how brilliant until I saw that. That's what my first reaction was, oh, oh my God, I, I owe George an apology for being so myopic. In Cannes as well, Robert Rodriguez stood up and said to George Miller, how the fuck did you film that? Yeah. <laughs> how did you do that? Yeah. It's Robert Rodriguez who yeah, makes everything out of nothing. Yeah. And he's still baffled by it. You yeah. need somebody with this, you know, this vision, like I've said, to mm -hmm. just deliver this. And it's mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he was clearly inspired making the film because as well as Tom Hardy apologising afterwards, Charlize Theron said something similar and she said that when the one set, she usually had no idea what she was actually filming from one mm, yeah. moment to the next. And at one point you thought Miller didn't have a clue what he was actually doing. Yeah. And then she said when she saw the actual film, she could not believe her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that, it all, that it all even made sense, never mind how good it was. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine how good that feels being George Miller. Yeah, you just yeah. sit there really quiet, just like... <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what I want to do. And everyone's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I have to apologise to you. Well, as for Mad Max, though, George Miller as a director did a fantastic job. Oh, sensational. Right. Not, not a fantastic job. He's absolutely nailed it. Hmm. Flawless. The screenplay for Mad Max Fury Road was written by George Miller, Brendan McCarthy, and Nicola Tourus. Miller we just talked about, and Brendan McCarthy is a British artist most known for illustrating some classic comic books like Judge Dredd. Yes. And yeah. Nicola Tourist is an Australian most known for his acting. Not exactly a dream team of screenwriters then, mm, but no. how, did it all, how did it all come together on the Fury Road? Matt? Really well, actually, because it's not written in the way that we would normally talk about it, because it's such a visual film. And like I say, so much of it just in Miller's head that it was basically one long storyboard from start to finish and it, yeah. it took him over 3,000 panels to get it all there. Hmm. He basically took yeah. off like an entire floor of the production office from start to finish. <laughs> so the screenplay was there for the actors but it's extremely basic because it is all about the chase and it's all about the action and that's just what Miller envisaged and yet despite that it still works because I think there's some strong character work going on there. You know, Max's transformation from a selfish loner to a reluctant hero figure, that's tried and tested, but it works. Furiosa gets a proper arc. She's on the run trying to protect these five women, but then she ends up being leader to an entire tribe of people, so that works fine. But what I really like about the writing is the dialogue, actually, because what I like about it is how it shows the transformation of our language into something that's just a little bit different. So, like, there's two examples yeah. that stand out for me. First one is when Nook says, If I'm going to die, I'm going to die historic on the Fury Road. Which, yeah, yeah, it's a great, and you understand what he means, but the, like, the grammar behind it is quite different to how we would say mm -hmm. that. And then you get the scene later on when he's having, like, that screaming argument with Anna Harrod, one of the wives, and she yells at him. And who killed the world? Which is a great way of like yeah. summing up the the position they're in. So I really like what yeah. they do with the language. It like it helps with the world building and it pulls you into yeah. it. Tell mm. me you're a subtitler for television, bringing up the grammar. <laughs> oh, totally, no one else yeah. has noticed that until now. Yeah. I was like blown away. I was like, shit, yeah, I didn't realise that. Yeah. I can't, I can't switch off. Yeah, that's totally why. Yeah, you can't. can't. Uh, they drop in some like I think Australian colloquialisms as well, don't they? Like schlanger, yeah, schlanger, yeah. like quite a bit. Schlanger. 
Yeah, Australians, yeah. they love the crazy word, the Aussies, yeah. don't they? You can't bullfrogs. That's an odd name. I'd have called them chazwazers. Yeah, so I love all that. And then in terms of plot, I mean, I think it's fair to say Miller was never really interested in this film as being particularly plot-driven. And I suppose it is a bit ridiculous that they leave point A, they get to point B, and then they decide, well, we'll just go back to point A then. I suggest we go back the same way we came. So, you know, which is kind of ridiculous, but it's the least important part of the film. So in terms of writing, no, it's not normally what we look at or how we judge a screenplay, but for what it is, I think it's really strong and it's very deliberate the way that it's been written. Yeah, I think as action films go, the writing here is top tier for an action film. I mean, the narrative is simple, but it's strong. Mm -hmm. It's all told logically. It all makes perfect sense. The main characters in Max, Furiosa and Nux are all well drawn out. Their yep. motivations are crystal clear at all times. Mm -hmm. and all three of them have strong arcs as well. Yep. The world is thought through to the point where it gives us subtext and themes. I like how the war boys have their own religion. They have their own sayings yeah. and the hand mm -hmm. symbol they make. And Immortan Joe uses their religion to manipulate them. Yep. And Joe himself holding the water from the masses, a critique of capitalism, surely. Yeah. And yeah. there's a very clear theme around feminism as well, where Joe calls his wives his property. Mm. Of all the good guys in the film, Max is the only man, and it's being around women that turns Nux into a good guy. Yeah. So there's actually quite a lot going on, I yeah. think. And the film is relentless action. So of those things I've just mentioned, they must do all of that in less than an hour of screen time, maybe less. Yeah. Mm. I think it would be really, really easy to overlook the writing in this film because of the action, but I think it's excellent, really good. Mm. Musty, what about you and the writing? The, the great thing about the writing in this, like you touched on there, John, it's like you see Max become a father figure, Nooks become a son, they become mothers. It all kind of works on that level and it doesn't really need to be there. It's mm. just good enough as it is. And when you put that in, it just makes it even better. It is literally a storyboard. It's a, it's a, like watching a comic book, flicking through the pages yeah. as mm. fast as you possibly can. Yeah. And the writing, to be honest... I've seen it so many times where the writing lets down the action. The writing in this film actually gives it a leg up. Mm, it yeah. helps the action yeah. and it moves it forward. And for that reason, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So the writing of Mad Max Fury Road then, as action films go, we think it's really good. Mm -hmm. yes, really it is. good. Yep. There's a fairly wide cast in Fury Road and we're going to pick out our favourites now. So, Westy, who are you going for? Yeah. I'm going to go for the main man himself, Tom Hardy, as Max, mm, whatever his last name is, Kaczynski, <laughs> Dansky, whatever. Um, unnecessarily long last name for Max. Just leave it as Max. Brilliant. Um, but no, I think he's fantastic in the role. I think he's really, really good. But there are times where you see that he's a little bit lost. It doesn't quite know what's going on. Mm. But the genius of that is it really works for the character. Mm -hmm. Like Miller knows that that works for the character because he's lost. He doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> he doesn't know what time it is. They've stole his jacket. They've stole his car. That's mine. And he's just like, oh, I just want to get away. I just want some water. And I just want to get away and get some petrol. And just that's it. Yeah. It's all he wants to do. And now he's stuck in this environment and he has to kind of solve problems and help people with things. And he doesn't necessarily want to do it. And to me, this is not a continuation of the Mel Gibson character. I don't feel it is. Mm. And a lot of people said it was the kid from Road Warrior who had the mm. music box right. and it was yeah. that kid, you know, grown up and that was who Max was now. But Miller kind of crushed that and said, no, this is actually, you know, it, it's a continuation of the Mad Max character. Mm. But for me, it's just a continuation of the Mad Max ethos in this world. 
you know, the Mad Max outlook in this world. He suffered losses, and it's in a graphic novel where you see all the, the backstory where the young kid and the mom dies, and you just kind of relate that back to the first Mad Max, but actually it's a different one. But there's just nuances by Hardy here, just little bits. That little thumb up yeah. out the window is genius. Yeah. Yeah. I do that every time I'm on the slip road going on the A90. Internal traffic, right? Cheers. <laughs> yeah, every single time. But it's fantastic. It just when he's putting the hose in his mouth and he's just getting that water, you just go, you can, he's just got this real energy and it's like quite it's really but he makes it really believable mm -hmm. that's my jacket yeah puts it on yeah. and it fits but it's jacket from road warrior a real assault like a real punch like a real weight like, bah, like yes it's tom hardy every time you see him in the action sequences you think that's totally believable he's doing it himself and it's totally believable 100 percent. like he's absolutely fantastic as mad max if you're gonna bring mad max back now yeah it's got to be tom hardy i don't think anyone else could have done it yeah, I think the biggest compliment I could give Tom Hardy for this is that when I watch it, I don't miss Mel Gibson in the lead at all. No. I no. Mean, no. A lot of people wouldn't miss Mel Gibson for various reasons. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's fair yeah. enough. <laughs> but I mean, he is a real movie star, Mel Gibson, loads of charisma. And at this point, he was definitively Mad Max. Yeah. So big shoes for anyone coming into Phil. And it did take a while for Miller to find his man. I and mean, there was a couple yeah. of others in the frame as well. Have you heard any other names? Uh, I think there's Jeremy Renner in the running at one point. He wanted well, to be. Well, Chine Tatum was one person up for it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, right. Michael Bean in the earlier days, back in the eighties, right. he was considered. Okay. And Eric Banner, yeah. what are possibilities? Right. Miller right. actually like eighty-seven when he wrote this, right? Yeah, going back as far yeah. as that when he had yeah, the idea. Yeah. yeah. So Miller actually did want his ledger before he died in two thousand and eight, mm. and Jeremy Renner actively campaigned to get the role. Right. I mean, Ledger, yes. Renner, definitely not. No. <laughs> no way. He's massive in the hurt locker, though. He is brilliant in that. He is. Oh, I like him. I like him as Hawkeye as well, but mm. he's always a support character in those. Yeah. Coming in here as the main guy, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think he, I, I don't know. I think he might have been good. I think he might have been yeah. really, really good. Fair enough. It just it may, maybe just like a, a little bit more of a vulnerable version. Mm. He, doesn't have, he hasn't got the strength of Hardy, but maybe that vulnerable version. But I can see him pulling off this role. Yeah. If you watch a hurt like he's massive in yeah. that. Yeah, he's good in that. I think he could have done. He could have done it. I think he could have done it. But I'm happy it's Hardy. Yeah. Matt, what about you then in the cast? Who do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Charlize Theron. I mean, I think just in general, Very nice. I think she's an incredible actress. She can do anything. Yes. Look at her filmography. You put her in a comedy like Longshot, she's hilarious. She can do really yes. dark, dramatic stuff like Monsters. She can do edgy stuff like Young Adult. And then put her in an action film like Atomic Blonde from a few years ago, and she just kicks yeah. ass in that. And then you've got this. And here, I think she's just something else. And the interesting thing is Max has his name in the title, but this is Furiosa's film. It's her character who has the proper arc. Her character has the emotional journey. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to make a film that has someone's name in the title but make it about someone else, then you've got to really justify that with a proper character and a proper performance. And I think that's what you get from Thrawn. And the first thing that really strikes me about her performance here is the complete lack of ego that she has. I mean, she's a yeah. stunningly beautiful woman, and yet she's got no problem shaving her hair for this, which was her idea, by Twice. the way. Twice, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, the original plan was for Furious to have, like, dreadlocks, but she said to George Miller, said, that doesn't make sense. She's a mechanic. She's a fighter. That hair would just get in the way. It's too easy for people mm -hmm. to like grab hold of and fight. Let me shave my head. And she did. It's fantastic. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then as well as that, also, you know, her character only has one arm as well. 
So she's got absolutely no ego about looking beautiful in the film. You know, make me look as messed up as you want. It's just absolutely fine. And I think that's fantastic. And yeah, yeah th there are other actresses who've done similar. Obviously, you think Sigourney Weaver, Alien 3 is a big one. But none of them did what Theron did, which is do that while filming out in the middle of the desert, miles from anywhere, having to deal with shit from Tom Hardy on a daily basis. And that's what Theron put up with. And all that toughness filters into the performance. And I think she became as much of a leader on set as she is a leader in the film. And the other thing yeah. about her performance is that despite all this, she doesn't lose her femininity by taking on this huge action role, which is why I think people do hold this up as being a great feminist action movie, because she doesn't have to become masculine to, to take on this role. Mm. She's still very feminine, but it's never seen as a weakness. So you have that amazing scene where she gets to the green place, but finds out it's gone. That whole thing she was pinning all her hopes on is gone, oh, yeah. and she has that emotional breakdown in the desert. Mm. And again, that was her idea. She went up to George Miller and said, look, we need a moment where she's completely lost because she's been so tough so far. We need this moment. Just roll the camera and let me do something. And that's what she gave him. And it's a really heartbreaking wow. moment, but it's not weak. And that's so key to her character and her performance. She's tough. Which is not invulnerable, she's brave, but she's not masculine, but then in turn that doesn't make her weak. I think it's a really, really well thought through, really intelligent, wonderful performance. I think she's just fantastic in this. Nice. I agree, I think she's superb. She steals the film mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Totally steals the film. Should be called Furiosa, Fury Road. Yeah, sure. Also, apparently, <laughs> Yeah. Charlie Theron and Tom Hardy didn't get on, apparently, at all mm. during filming. Yeah. There's a behind-the-scenes book called Blood, Sweat and Chrome, The Wild and True Story of Mad Max Fury Road by yeah. Kelly DeCannon. And apparently Tom Hardy would regularly turn up to film scenes, like, hours late. Yeah. And after a while, Theron, like, exploded on the set and ran that at him in front of everybody. And if, you, if you're watching Charlie's, then Matt would pretty much like to marry it, I think. Well, you know, <laughs> if you want to hook that up. Want <laughs> to turn it down? Yeah. You know. would sort that out. But let's make that happen. <laughs> then you'll know. Marry Max. Marry Matt. There we go. Marry Matt Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> well, Max and Furiosa are the two main characters in the film, obviously, but there's a whole range of colourful, shall we say, supporting mm, characters yeah. as well. Fantastic. Nicholas, yeah, Nicholas Holt is Nooks, as I mentioned. He has a fantastic arc yeah. and a great death scene. The five wives are all good, mm. and the likes of yes. Rictus Erectus, the people eater, Corpus Colossus, and the bullet farmer are <laughs> mental. Yeah, totally mental. Farmer. You do a whole film on the bullet farmer. <laughs> pulling his teeth out the load he's yeah. done. Genius. <laughs> Honestly, what? Yeah. What when the fuck? Yeah, when he's yeah. just screaming to himself with his arms in the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Insane. <laughs> so here we are, favourite supporting characters in the film, Westy. My favourite supporting character in the film is obviously the Doof Warrior. <laughs> of course he because is. That is my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> Westy, get up there, wear your mum's face as a mask and play the Zeppelin riffs. <laughs> Yes, man. And what what do you want to do? Oh, uh, can you put fire out the end of the guitar as well? Same. Yeah, of course you can. Yes, I've tried to do that. I just love the guy. I love that the fact that they created that backstory. I love the fact that 
there's a lot to that character, but I love it in the sound design when you hear them getting close mm, and you just hear that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just there and you're just like, oh, yes. Yeah. That's why I love that kind of music. Like, it's really doom metal. It's really goth. It's really miserable. But at the same time, really kind of punch the air. And the first time I saw that, when they just ride out yeah. after them, and you just see him, and he's like having the best time. And he's just—I was yeah. just like, yes! I stood up to him. I was like, yes, that's it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. Amazing. What is he not going to his own film? That's how good the writing is and the direction of George Miller in this film. I was like, that right there is what I want to do with the rest of my life, and I'm never going to be able to do it unless someone drops nuclear warheads and I survive. And that's what I'm going to do. But yeah, that is my favorite character. Probably my favorite character of the last ten years that I've seen. <laughs> a supporting character that has no dialogue whatsoever gets smacked off Hardy and still kind of goes for it. That, it there's nothing better for me. I'd absolutely love that guy. He would be my best friend, and I'll play drums for him. <laughs> he, is he is mental. Yeah. You touched on it there, Wesley, and George Miller. I did actually write out a full backstory for the Doof Warrior. They both did. The guy who made it brought up the face as his mom. Right. Like, he put that in there. Which is outrageously it is dark. Crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so the idea was that the Dufour was blind from birth and he and his yeah. mother lived in a mining town and when things started going a bit crazy, some people went to live in the mining shaft right. and he went with yeah. them. And that's when he lost his eyesight, so you can't see in a mine. So he took up playing the guitar and as a result he went blind when he left the mine like a pit pony. And right. the doof was taken in by Immortan Joe after he found him cradling his dead mother. And the mask, like you say, is made from his mother's face. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just insane. <laughs> and Matt, who's your favourite of the supporting cast? Yeah, it's a bit of a cheat, but I'm going to say the Vuvalini in general, who were the tribal women in the nice. green place, because I think once they get to there and they find out it's gone, this tribal women then become just really important to the story because they're not battle-hardened in the way that Furiosa is, but they're also not these young beautiful brides like those characters are they're just very normal and quite a lot of them are pretty old but what's important to me is i want max and furiosa decide that actually they're just going to turn around smash through a martin joe's forces and take the citadel the vuvalini is straight into the fight with them you know one of them is a weak link so you've got the valkyrie who's taken out joe's forces with her shotgun before she gets run over which is a really gutting moment and yeah. that actress megan gale she was actually going to play wonder woman for george Miller if he was going to do justice league Oh wow! Yeah, so that's why she's now. So he, he was going to cast her as Wonder Woman, and I think she's great. Um, I really like mm. the old lady who's called the Keep of the Seeds, and she gets stuck oh, into the fight great. despite being all pretty ancient. When the poor cats are trying to drag the prides out, and she's grabbing them back, they're all just getting stuck in. It's they're, they're a great set of characters. It, so the one dies with a smile on yeah, her face, which yeah, is yeah, really yeah. beautiful. D yeah, it's just when she takes the bag yeah, off her. Yeah, yeah, just propped up in the seat. Because the best thing is they're not bystanders. They're not there to be looked after by Max and Furiosa and to be rescued. They're just right into the thick of it. I think it's a fantastic group of characters. So, yeah. It's that heartbreaking moment where she shoots at a Morton Joe yeah. and just hits the windscreen yeah. and ducks under yeah, the yeah. car and you're like, fuck yeah, hell. Out. But then she gets run over yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's such a heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, Melissa Jaffa, who plays the keeper of the CD you mentioned there. Yeah. She yeah. was... 78 when they did the film she did yeah. some of her own stunts as well yeah. and she used to be in a science fiction series called Farscape which was really good in that I am the woman you are the man so we've not mentioned the big bad yet no that's Immortan Joe mm. played by Hugh Keithburn and that's yes. because we have a Patreon question on him so Peter Sutcliffe not that one is here to ask his question Hi lads it's Peter here my question for Mad Max Fury Road is where would you rank him on Joe among the pantheon of film villains? Cheers. Good question from Peter. Mm -hmm. 
What yeah. do you think, Matt? Oh, I'd, I'd definitely put him in the Valhalla of great films of Martin Joe. I hmm. think he's just <laughs> fantastic. Nice. Yeah. And, you, and you need someone who, considering this is a, a chase movie, you don't have the face-off that you would normally get between the villain and the hero. You don't have the showdown between them. Yeah. So he, he's got to carry that threat despite being separate from Max and Furiosa for so much of the film. And that's what you get because he's so physically imposing, despite the fact that you know he's quite fucked up, he's covered in sores, and he obviously has breathing issues. He's like a really, really yeah. messed up ver version of Darth Vader, basically. But You do get the literal face-off with Furiosa, though. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Right at the end, yes, that's true. Literal face-off. <laughs> really literal. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Remember me. But it, it's because he, he's more than a physical threat, though. You, you've kind of mentioned it already, John, but it's how he manipulates everyone around him. So the crowd that gather below the Citadel for the water, he gives them just enough to live, but not enough to flourish. Yeah. And he tells them, don't get addicted to it. You know, don't do that. I control it. Don't get addicted. He has the war boys hanging on his every word. So he's not just a thug. He's intelligent, and I think that makes him even more dangerous. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's a fantastic villain. Yeah. Really, really, really good. I agree. Played by Hugh Keith-Byrne, who was in the original Mad Max in 1979 mm, yes. as Toe Cutter. Yep. And mm. he's really good here as well as Joe. Absolutely disgusting when he's getting squeezed into that oh, suit at the start yeah. with boils all over <laughs> yeah. his body. Squeezed in. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. Like, a, like a sausage. <laughs> a boily sausage. Boily yeah. sausage, that's his <laughs> But yeah, his look with the mask and everything, it's really striking. When you look at some of the concept art they had from originally, they had some crazy ideas. But what they did on the screen, really good, really memorable. And that's what you want mm -hmm. from a bad guy. Yeah. I wouldn't say Morton Joe was as iconic as a Joker or a Darth Vader, no. but he maybe could have been if we'd seen more of him or if we mm -hmm. knew more about him. So, yeah. to answer Pete's question, I'd say Joe is very good. Sits on the second tier in the Villain Hall of Fame for me, alongside okay. characters like Norman Stansfield and Biff Tannen, people like that. Right. What are you looking at, butthead? <laughs> Biff. <laughs> oh, Sean Biff. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what do you think of Joe? Is that why Biff crashed the car in the first film? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yes, I think he's a great, great bad guy because it's built on reputation, not exactly what mm. you see. So it's all a backstory, more or less. It's like everyone respects him, everyone's scared of him. So you are immediately. And I think that's a brilliant way to set up a bad guy really quickly when you need a really fast narrative and you really yeah. need a really fast development of character. And when you see him, when he walks out in that mask and everything, it's just perfect costume design. Mm even everything about him, like the way he plays that, the way it's, it's, it's almost like, yeah, that makes sense. Like it's as ridiculous as it is. That's probably how that guy should dress. Cause that's the best he's going to look. Mm. Yeah. Like, if he wears it, he sticks a suit on or something. He's going to look like the penguin out of Batman return. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think he's a really good bad guy, but I think the reputation of that guy is built um, through the, through the other narratives, through the other characters. Which makes him terrifying. So the main cast members there then, all very good, mm -hmm. some great supporting characters and a good villain as well. That's all you need. Indeed. We've mentioned some huge moments in the film already, but now we're getting specific to talk about our highlights. So yep. Westy, what are you going for as your highlight from Mad Max Fury Road? <laughs> Do you know what? I've got so many highlights from this film. I would probably just say the whole film is a highlight. It's just, I don't think there's any point where I just think, ah, oh, that doesn't really work. But the highlight for me, I'll have to choose it, is when you first see Max 
he steps on that lizard whatever thing and then eats it you've got that voiceover and then you get the chase where he just disappears and it waits just long enough the edit is just beautiful yeah, it yeah. waits just long enough and then he's pursued by something else and then it cuts that wide shot and then the car crashes in real time mm-hmm. practical effect mm-hmm. physical and i remember seeing that crash and i just went this is what they normally do at the end of most films that I've seen. <laughs> this is the first five minutes, and they just this is almost throwaway. This is how they catch him and they grab him and they pull him out, and just that opening of him just being there, and you just see the wasteland. You get the voiceover, and that's why it's my highlight because it just set me up perfectly for what was coming next. And I was just there's just one after the other after the other after the other after this. It just gets better and better and better and better. But that's weirdly why this is my highlight because it just went, it set the bar at 100 and I left the <laughs> cinema at like 700. It was just like, and I, I love that. I love that about it. I love the start just being so visceral and just so energetic and just so perfect. And that's why I love that sequence. Yeah, something I wanted to talk about, which relates back to this opening sequence, is the editing, which is yeah. just sensational mm-hmm. all the way through the film. The editor was Margaret Sixel. George Miller's yeah. wife, yes. and he said that he hired her because if a guy did it, it would be like every other action movie, mm. so he wanted a woman to do it. Yeah. And after production, she had 470 hours of footage dumped on her, and she watched every second of it, which took three months. Wow. Something I love that she does is the little trick of removing certain frames at certain points in the action, which gives this really frantic feeling. Yeah. And I mention it now because it's most obvious, I think, in the opening sequence when the war boys are chasing Max. Yeah. Yeah. There's frames taken out of that sequence in the cave area. Mm-hmm. And it just seems really strange and really intense. Incredible editing. And she won an Oscar as well for it. I think she was surprised about it as anybody else. Did, did that actually happen? Fully deserved. There's so much pace yeah. to this edit. Yeah. And John Seal as well, I have to give him a nod because he came out of retirement to do yeah. this. John Seal <laughs> yeah. was in his 70s as well. Deep and in. it gives me so much hope where I'm like, oh, well, I'm 41, but I don't have to do anything for another 30 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's producing the best stuff. And it's just, if you watch one of the, the, the end sequences or one of the, the action sequences now, everyone's just framed in the middle of the yeah. frame. There's no rule of thirds in this. There's no arty-farty, this needs to be where it needs to be. Everyone's in the centre of yeah. the frame. And mm. the way that that's cut together, there's so much pace, the camera moves to every cut. It's mm-hmm. just incredible. It, I mean, yeah. everything you read about this film is just Miller just being an absolute master yeah. of action. Yeah. He just knows everything yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. Put it in the middle. Fantastic. Put yeah. it in the middle. It shouldn't work. <laughs> Putting everything in the middle should be yeah. really mm-hmm. boring and slow, but then the way he cuts it together, it's just incredible. It's often the stunt work that I find most impressive. The moment that the war boy leaps off the war rig onto the buzzard's car mm-hmm. to blow it up, we mentioned. The bit mm. in the canyon where Furiosa tries to get back on the war rig and a rock rider slides under the truck oh, on his yes. motorbike and grabs that. Yeah. Insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too dangerous. <laughs> For my highlight, though, I mentioned before how I like the way that Miller gives us something different with each action sequence, the buzzards, then the war boys, the rock riders, all great. And my favourite yeah. are the polecats. Yeah. Yes. The war boys so turn good. up on those huge pogo stick things. Insane and totally brilliant. Yeah. That first shot where we see Max looking at something off camera, and then we get that incredible shot of them coming into the frame on the poles. Yeah. It's like, what the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's great. What are they going to do? Are they going to make any kind of impact? The bombs, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's great how they drop in and steal one of Joe's wives back. Yeah. So we crap this, isn't it? Catwoman now. Yes. And the stunt work is just fantastic and just really, really exciting. There's a good story on that where Miller got the idea for the poor cats after going to see Cirque du Soleil. Mm-hmm. He right. thought it would be too dangerous to do, but he planned to use CGI to create the poor cats. But when he mentioned his idea to the stunt supervisor, Guy Norris, he said, no, no, we don't need CGI. We can do that for real. Brilliant. And they actually used some real Cirque du Soleil performers to do it. Brilliant. Incredible. Brilliant. That shot where Max is on the pole and the truck explodes oh, in the background. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah. over the front of the frame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt was yeah, when he goes right down to the road yeah. and oh, yeah. his head yeah. by like yeah. that much <laughs> yeah. it's like that much yeah. it's brilliant and Matt what's your highlight from the film well it's an action, action sequence unsurprisingly isn't it so um, is it it is <laughs> really enough yeah it's uh, probably best described as a thumbs up sequence which I kind of mentioned already because for a start yes. it looks incredible okay. when it starts this is when the yeah. bikes are jumping over the top of the wall rig, dropping grenades on it yes. that's amazing Great. but more than that it's a really important character moment because you get the point where Joe fires the grappling hook into the driver's cab and it pins Max's hand and they start to pull the wall rig over yes. so then you get Anne Howard who is the heavily pregnant one of the wives she's straight in there just swings out there on the door with the ball cutters freeze it but it still plows into the side of the box you think for a minute oh shit she's gone but then she ducks back out just wants to take cover yes and it's yeah, fantastic yeah, it's a that. brilliant moment and this is why you want someone like tom hardy in there because he can do so much without any dialogue and you can see just when they look at each other you can see like the light go off in his head like oh, okay right these aren't little princesses they are actually really mm. capable and I've underestimated how tough they are. And this is the moment for me where they just gel as a team and they're all going to be working together now and they've got the same purpose and it's amazing. But then the film just like turns on a, six, on a sixpence here, doesn't it? Because then she slips and she falls to yeah. death, which yeah. that is such yeah. a tricky thing to pull off because we did Fargo as a podcast episode a couple of months ago. And we said on that, you know, one of the great things about that, the film never puts Marge in danger as a pregnant woman because I would feel very wrong. This obviously goes far beyond that and somehow it still works. Mm -hmm. This could have been a moment where you're going, they're killing like a pregnant woman. Sorry, I can't like watch something like this. But it works somehow. They judge it perfectly. It is horrible, but it doesn't feel gratuitous. It's still delivered as well. Yeah, yeah, gets lived later on. That's... And he's like spinning the yeah. umbilical cord, like, oh, it would have been yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Dead now. Yeah. Richard is like, I had a brother. Yeah. I had a little baby brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it's so mental that's, that's why it. it's so it. bonkers yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. oh, well you know that's yeah. fucked alright fair one yeah. Yeah. it just it just shows how, how little respect they have for human yeah. life it's yeah. just brilliantly yeah, done it is because it shouldn't work but it, yeah. it's handled really well emotionally because yeah. you can see how devastated the other wives are that they've lost one of the number so it's played just right Great action, but in terms of character and in terms of emotional investment, this is where the film really kicks in the game for me. She went under the wheels. So our highlights then, I mean, as a film, it's just like one long highlight, really, is. I think, yeah. isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. You can't really separate it. Oh, I like the bit when the water comes out. Shut up, man. You like the <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it then. We've reached Valhalla. One thing left to do first, though, and that's to give our scores for Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Mad Matt, you first, please. <laughs> Your summary and score for Fury Road. What's well, definitely not mediocre, is it? Mediocre! 
not a chance. <laughs> no. It looks incredible. I can't get enough of how this film looks. And I struggle to think of another action film that is so well-paced as this one is because it's relentless and you would think, isn't that going to end up being a bit tiring? Nah, not a bit of it. I'm just so engaged with this from first film to the last. But in amongst all that action, that's maybe where the film really impresses because there's some amazing world building going on. I totally believe everything about this film and, and the world in which they live. There's proper, proper great performances in here, particularly from Theron. There's character arcs, there's emotional beats, but the emotional beats aren't overdone. The work, everything works in context. And overall, when you think what this film could have been, it could have been a cheap and easy cash-in. It could have been, oh, we'll, we'll just carry on the Mad Max name. We'll, you know, that, that's all it needs to be. What it actually is, yeah. is a pretty incredible achievement. And I just struggle to think of anything else like this film, really, in terms of tension, in terms of pace, in terms of how it looks. And I just come back to what George Miller did and how he just envisioned this in a way that everybody else would have gone, George, come on, you've got to be kidding. You can't do that. You can't go to that location. Yeah, yeah. You can't put everybody's lives in danger by shooting it like that. But he did. Yeah. And it works beautifully. There really is just... There's nothing about this film that I don't like. There's nothing in this film that I think, ah, I wish that was just a little bit better. I even don't mind the fact that the plot is basically them driving in a big circle and going back again. That's fine. I'm with it. I love this film. It's a 10 for me. Lovely. <clears throat> Boom. Big one. Yeah, for me, it's very straightforward. So it's going to be a pretty short summary, I think. As okay. an action movie, which is exactly what it's trying to be, it's flawless, mm. this film. It's unique, great cast, excellent writing. It looks fantastic, brilliantly yeah. directed, and all-time great action. Usually when I watch a film, even one that I really like, there'll be moments where I think, oh, I wish you'd done this instead. Yeah. I think that would have been a bit better. But here, there's nothing I'd change. I think it's pretty perfect, which means it's going to get a pretty perfect score of 10 out of 10. Oof. Mm -hmm. No pressure, mm -hmm. Wesley. <laughs> and Wesley, <laughs> cover it. It's a three, <laughs> <laughs> we know you're going 10 so just get yeah. on with it i was bored i was bored all the way through it's a it's a fucking 10 it's a massive yeah. film it's uh yeah i love it um i'll never get tired of watching it i'm so pleased george Mellor made this i'm so proud of mm. him for making this i'm so proud of him for sticking to that vision and being so very very true to himself it's one of them rare films where you just go this is a filmmaker making a film that he wants to make and he, I don't really give a shit if he thought it was going to make money or going to be a franchise from it. It was what he needed to make at the time he needed to make it. Hmm. I love it for that. I love him for that. I love everyone for being in it. There's not a minute of it I don't like. It's a 10. Of course. Yeah. So overall, that leaves Mad Max Fury Road with a whopping 30 out of 30. Mm. Boom. The perfect score. And that's that on this episode of The Cutting Room. To support us in what we do and to gain access to extra bonus videos, please support us on Patreon. Your help and support is hugely appreciated. And the more support we definitely. get, the more videos like this we can yeah. make. Yes. Yes, and definitely. come back next time, as always, for our next episode. Yeah. Please do, guys. Thank you. Pressing on with the fork then, Westy. Subscribe, share and like, and follow us on social media for more fire, blood, and shiny and chrome movie content.